uh, guys last week of this series. I have really enjoyed it. I hope you have. A couple quick favors. You need a Bible, so if you'll grab a Bible, you also need a bulletin um, because we're going to ask you to take notes. So it's just part of what we do. When we sing, we sing. When we pray, we pray. When we give, we give. And when we study God's Word, we actually take notes. So if you didn't grab one of these when you came in, um, we've got a digital version for you. Again, if you'll just open up the uh, camera app on your phone, point it at that QR code. I'm going to let you guys do that, get situated. I'm going to pray for our time in God's Word, and then we've got a little exercise to start the morning, all right? Father, thanks for loving us. Uh, Thank you for allowing us to gather in your name. Holy Spirit, we want to welcome you in this place. Holy Spirit, come take your place in our pulpit. You are our teacher. You are our guide. Lift up and exalt Jesus in our midst that we might see more clearly than ever before, that we might understand this last and final storm we're studying. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Um, So now that you are situated or semi-situated, I'm going to ask you to get unsituated. So uh, I'm going to ask five questions. Here's how this works this morning. We need audience participation. Uh, If you don't participate, it doesn't work. This all falls apart, and uh, you're going to leave going, man, that that, that, that was terrible, okay? So uh, audience participation, important. So I'm going to read five questions. If the answer to the question is yes, you say, yes, I want that. I want that in my life. I'm going to ask you to stand. Now, once you're standing, you're not going to sit back down. Uh, and all, all five of these, I may read the first one. You go, eh, not so much. Okay, that's fine. It's fine. But there's five questions. And, and if your answer to that particular question is yes, and it really speaks to you, I want you to stand where you are. That's kind of how this works. And you'll stand up. You'll remain standing. I will read quickly. So those of you that are already thinking, I don't want to stand up that long. Okay? It's not, that's not how it works. It's going to be very quickly. So here's the first question. If you would like your life to be marked by steadfastness, constancy, endurance, and patience, please stand. I want to be steadfast. I want to be constant. Cool. Awesome. Second question. If you would like to be known as someone with proven character that consistently demonstrates integrity and honesty and moral fortitude, would you please stand? Okay? And if you can't stand, you just raise a hand, by the way. Okay? Cool. Number, number three. If you would like to be known as someone whose life is overflowing with hope instead of fear and anxiety, would you stand or raise your hand? Okay? Okay? Awesome. Question four. If you would like to live a life without shame, if you can stand, would you stand? If you can't stand, would you raise your hand where you are? Okay? And lastly, uh, if you would like to live a life that overflows with love, again, stand or raise a hand. Cool. Okay. Y'all. The people that can stand are standing. The ones that aren't have raised their hands. That's about 100%. I want you to look around real quick. You guys agree? That's about 100% of the room. Cool. So if you agree, I'm going to count to three, and we're all going to say together, we agree. One, two, three. We agree. Cool. Awesome. You guys sit down. So here's what you just agreed to. I, by the way, that's why I wanted you to say we agree. You guys all just agreed with me this morning that suffering is a good thing. That's what you did. You guys all just actively participated and and in agreement, 100% of us unanimous said, yeah, suffering is awesome and we know that we need it. And you're thinking, no, we did not, Pastor. You read questions, we stood up, yes, but but listen, the end result of those questions all comes from a passage that says we're going to suffer things in this world and God's going to use them for good. And so 100% of you pretty much stood up or raised your hand and it 100% has to do with the last storm we're talking about. And so if you have your Bibles, I'm in Romans chapter 5 this morning. And uh, Romans chapter 5, I'm going to start in verse 1. I'm going to read 1 through 5 and then I'll put verse 3 on the screen. It says, Therefore, since we've been declared righteous by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We've also obtained access 
through him, by faith, into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also rejoice in our afflictions, our sufferings. Because we know that affliction, suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces proven character. Proven character produces hope. And this hope will not disappoint us because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Again, here is verse Uh, here's 3 through 5 on the screen. Not only that, we also boast in our afflictions, that's our sufferings, because we know that affliction produces endurance, endurance produces proven character, proven character produces hope, and this hope won't disappoint us because God's love has been poured out into our hearts. That is the heart of the five questions I asked you guys this morning. So there's three things I want to share with you this morning, and here's the first as we talk about this final storm. I want you to know that obedience leads to blessing, (laughs) but it can also lead to suffering. Okay? Obedience leads to blessing, but it can also lead to suffering. So let's talk about the first part of that. That's the fun part of that. The blessing part. We're like, yeah, that makes sense to us. Obedience, God says, do what I say. If we do what God says, there'll be blessing because he made us. He knows how it all works. And when we do it his way, life is better. And in fact, the Bible declares this. Psalm 128, verse 1, uh, the English Standard Version on the screen said, Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord and walks in his ways. Right? If, in other words, if, if, you, if you love God and you do what God says, you'll be blessed. That's the promise of Psalm 128, verse 1. You're like, that's easy to understand. So here's the harder thing to understand, is, is that that is absolutely true, but also true is that sometimes, this is where our, our minds, we think blessing and suffering are opposites. They are not. Sometimes our suffering can actually be a blessing. That's a whole other sermon. Okay? That's a whole other sermon. So, so obedience can lead to blessing, but it can also lead to suffering. It can also lead to, to suffering, and, and we don't have to look any further than our model in our faith. The Lord himself, Jesus Christ. Uh, listen to what Paul says about him, Philippians 2. It says, he humbled himself, becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Now, I don't know if you know much about dying on a cross. I hope you don't, but it's ugly. It's horrible. Where they drive spikes through your wrists so you can't get your hands off. Where they bend your legs just enough and they, they put that spike through your feet and it's bent just enough that basically the weight of your body is crushing your lungs and you're slowly suffocating to death. But they give you, they want it to last a long time so they put a little bend so you could stand up on the nail, <gasps> grab a breath and go back down and continue to slowly die. And the Bible says that's what Jesus did for us, and he did it out of obedience. In fact, right before the cross, he's in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he's praying. And what does he pray? He says, Father, I'd love it if we could do this some other way, if you could take this cup from me. But ultimately, he says, not my will be done, but yours. Jesus' life was about obedience unto the Father, and it led him to great suffering. And the Bible declared that this is exactly what's going to happen in the Old Testament uh, in the book of Isaiah, um, there's, there's chapters about how Jesus would suffer, but Isaiah 52 and 53 specifically. Again, I'm going to read and then I'll highlight a verse. Isaiah uh, 52, starting in verse 13, then I'll read through 53, uh, 6. It says, See, my servant will be successful. He'll be raised and lifted up and greatly exalted, just as many were appalled at you. His appearance was so disfigured 
that he did not look like a man. That's talking about the beatings that Jesus took before he was ever nailed to the cross. His form didn't even resemble a human being. So he'll sprinkle many nations. Kings will shut their mouths because of him, for they will see what had not been told to them, and they will understand what they had not heard. Who's believed? We have not heard. Right? I'm going to skip down to verse 3. It says, He was despised and rejected by men. A man of suffering who knew what sickness was. He was like someone who people turned away from. He was despised and we didn't value him. Yet, he himself bore our sickness and he carried our pains. But we in turn regarded him stricken, struck down by God and afflicted. But he was pierced because of our rebellion. Crushed because of our iniquities. Punishment for our peace was on him and we are healed by his wounds. Notice that language, verse 3. Jesus was a man of suffering. So obedience to the Father led to great suffering. And Jesus didn't try to hide this fact, by the way. As he spent time with his disciples, he constantly told them what was coming. This is going to happen. He also told them what they should expect. He says, hey, listen, uh, great commission. He says, listen, uh, Matthew 28, 18 through 20, all authority in heaven and earth has been given unto me. Right? Therefore I say to you, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you. And then he gives them a promise. And he says, but remember, I'll always be with you. To the very end of the age, it's a promise of his presence. Then Jesus goes to the cross and he dies. He's laid in the tomb, but on the third day he conquers death. He hangs out for a period of 40 days. He appears to, at one point, a crowd over 500 people, like everybody knew that Jesus was alive. And then before his disciples' very eyes, he's going to ascend into heaven. He says, I've got to go so that you can receive the Holy Spirit. I'm going now so I can send you a gift. And then he, he, he makes them another promise, Acts 1.8. He says, and when I go, when the Spirit comes, you're going to receive power to do what I told you to do. I told you to go make disciples. You're just going to go be my witnesses, and I'm going to give you power. So Jesus promises his presence. He promises his power. But he also promises his people one other thing. Problems. Problems. Matthew 10, You will be hated by everyone because of my name. That's a promise. Right? John 16.33, I've told you these things so that in me you might have peace because you're going to have suffering in this world. It's a promise. He says, if you do what I've called you to do by the power that I've given you because my presence is with you, if you are the people that I've called you to be, then you are going to suffer for my name. It's part of the package. Right? It's part of the package. So we begin here, guys, obedience leads to blessing, but it can also lead to suffering. Second thing I want you to understand this morning is that God often uses our suffering to bless others. God often uses our suffering to bless others. Again, I want to look at Isaiah 53. That's what God did with his one and only son, right? Isaiah 53, speaking of Jesus, he's despised and rejected by men. He's a man of great suffering. We read on to the very next two verses, Isaiah 53, 4 and 5. It says, yet he himself bore our sickness. He carried our pains, but we, we in turn regarded him as stricken, struck down by God and afflicted, but he was pierced because of our rebellion, crushed because of our iniquities. Punishment for our peace was on him. And get this, and we are healed by his wounds. What those verses are teaching us is that it's through the suffering of Jesus that we receive healing. So I want to ask you a question. 
Are you a child of God? You can, you can talk. We're in church. If I ask a question, you can actually talk then, right? Are you, are you a child of God? Okay. Because listen, if you're a child of God, if you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, not only are you a child, women, I'm speaking to you too, but he's adopted you into his family, and, and you're a full heir. Meaning, meaning like, listen, in, in listen, biblical times, only the oldest son really got the inheritance. Okay? He got the full blessing. But here's what God says to everyone who puts their faith and trust in his son, Jesus. You get that title of sonship. Right? Check it out. This is what it says, Galatians 3.26. For through faith... You are all sons of God in Christ. That's not an identity crisis, y'all. That's saying you have full access. You're a full heir in Christ. So I have to ask you, listen, if we are all sons through faith in Jesus, those of us that have put our faith in him, if, if he allowed his one and only son to suffer so that others might be healed, why would we expect anything different? if we're also his sons. Does that make sense? Just want you to think about it. Just want you to think about it. Author of Hebrews explains that suffering of Jesus. It says, here's what it does. It brings many sons and daughters to glory. <laughs> Through his suffering, he brought many sons and daughters to glory. And so I just, I, I want to repeat, y'all, that Obedience can lead to blessing. It can also lead to suffering. God often uses our suffering to bless others. And then there's one last thing you have to hear after you hear the second point, all right? And it's this. Our suffering can't save anyone, all right? But it can produce a great fruit in us, and it can point others to the one who can, all right? Our suffering can't save, but it can produce a great work in us, a great fruit in us, and, and ultimately, that can point others to him who can save them, right? And, and, and so listen, I, I don't need to uh, state the obvious, but I'm going to. Uh, we can't save anyone. We're not Jesus, all right? Jesus was the perfect, sinless son of God. Uh, when he died on the cross, he, he did so as a substitution uh, for us. We're the ones that deserve that kind of death. But God loved the world so much. He loved you so much. He wanted you to be with Him so much because He created you to be with Him that He gave His one and only Son as a sacrifice to pay for your sins once and for all. Not, not, not just the sins before you received Him, but all the sins you would ever commit in your whole life once and for all that if you put your faith and trust in Jesus as the Son of God, that, that God receives what Jesus did on the cross for you as payment for your sins forever, right? And Jesus is the only one who can do that because he is sinless. We are not. The Bible says we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So stating the obvious, we cannot save anyone. Our suffering doesn't save anyone. But that doesn't mean that God doesn't use it. God uses our suffering to do two things, to do a work in us, to produce fruit in us, he also does it to help us minister to others that are going through suffering. And I want to talk about those two things very quickly. First and foremost, I'm going to go back and look at our passage, Romans 5, 3 through 5. And we're going to talk about the fruit that is produced in us when we suffer. Uh, it says this, and not only that, but we also boast in our sufferings and our afflictions because we know that affliction, suffering produces something, y'all. That's, that's an important word. It produces endurance 
And then that endurance in turn produces proven character. And that proven character produces hope. And that hope doesn't disappoint. Because then God's love is being poured out in our hearts. Listen, suffering does one of two things. It will either end you. It will sink your ship. Uh, If we're going Matthew 7, it'll make your house fall with a great crash. Okay? It'll, It'll either end you. Or it'll produce something powerful in you, something that we call supernatural in you. It'll, it'll produce something supernatural in you because it'll force you to run to and rely on Jesus like you never have before. And, and that kind of reliance upon Christ, y'all, there's a, there's a phrase for it in the Bible. When, when we are forced to run to Jesus, when, when we come to him, we're like, I've, I've met the end of me, and I need you so bad, and I'm just going to stay here, and nothing's going to move me from this place because I've got nothing other than you, Jesus. You're it. And when you get to that place, the Bible says that that is called abiding in Christ. And, and, and it promises, there's another promise here. Jesus promised already his presence, his power, Right? He also promised problems. Here's another promise from Jesus that if we'll abide in Christ, if we'll stay there where we realize we need him more than anything else, if we can abide and stay there, he promises that he will produce not a little bit of fruit, but a lot of fruit in our lives. He says much fruit, and he says, and all that fruit will last for an eternity. John 15, 5, Jesus says, I'm the vine. You're the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him will produce much fruit. In 1516, he says, you didn't choose me, but I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce fruit, and your fruit will remain. And it'll last. That's what Paul's saying in Romans 5. He's saying, man, my suffering, your suffering, it produces a lasting fruit. It does a work in you that you can't even imagine. And, and y'all, if, if, if anyone could speak of that, it is the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul, Paul's life after accepting Jesus is marked by two things. Number one, it is marked by fruit. Man, man is it marked by fruit. So many people came to know Christ because of Paul. Literally, uh, he writes half the New Testament. We are here today uh, in large part as Gentiles. Uh, unless you're a Jewish convert, God bless you. Uh, come talk to me. I want to, like, we'll high five it or whatever, right? Like, it'd be good. But most of us are not, right? We're Gentile converts, and, and we are here because of the ministry of the Apostle Paul. And the churches that he started that sent out other missionaries, and that's, that's why we're here today. And so the fruit of Paul has lasted and lasted. His, last, his, his, his life was marked by fruit, but it was also marked by great suffering. I want to read this, this passage to you. Uh, I'm in 2 Corinthians 11, starting in verse 24. He says, Five times I received the forty lashes minus one from the Jews. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I received a stoning. Three times I was shipwrecked. I've spent a night... By the way, there's your storm. I was going to read it in Acts 27. Go look it up. It was a real storm. It really happened. Okay. (laughs) Three times the dude is in a shipwreck. Right? One time he spends a day and a night on the open sea. On frequent journeys he faced dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my own people, the Jews, dangers from Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers at sea, dangers among false brothers, toil and hardship, many sleepless nights, hunger and thirst, often without food, cold and without clothing, he says. And that's his life. It was all for the sake of Christ, but that all produced something in him. Right? Right? 
Listen, listen to how it changed him. He, he, he needed to rely on Christ so much that he actually got to the point, Philippians 3, 8, that he says this. He says, I consider everything to be a loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. He says, because of him, I've suffered the loss of all things and consider them dung so that I may gain Christ. Man, I want to say that word in church. He says, listen, man, everything else is poop. That's it. I mean, that's what he said. He said, hey, you, you want to know what life is like? Man, you can lose it all. But it doesn't matter if you've got Jesus. He said, nothing compares to Christ. Everything else in the world that we cling to, that we hang on to. And just think about it in your life for a moment. All the things that you treasure, all the things that you grip so tightly, and then just imagine that those things are really just a big, hot, steaming pile of poo. That's Paul. He says, man, that's what hardship will teach you. When you abide in Christ, you realize that, man, even those things that you love, man, they are nothing compared to knowing Christ Jesus, right? So that abundant living, understanding that our sufferings produce fruit in our lives, it's a big part of it. But not only do they produce fruit in us, lasting fruit, they actually help us do what God has called us to do. Right? Which is, which is to go and make disciples, to be witnesses to others. Listen to how Paul explains how God uses his hardship. 2 Corinthians 1, 4 through 5. He comforts us in all of our affliction, all of our suffering, so that we might be able to comfort those who are in any kind of affliction. He said, man, we go through stuff. God allows us to go through really hard things so that he can use us when other people go through really hard things things. It says, through the comfort that we ourselves receive from God. For just as the suffering of Christ overflows to us, so also through Christ our comfort overflows. You could add two others there. That's the heart of Romans 8.28, by the way. If you've ever heard anybody misquote Romans 8.28, here it is. We know that all things work together for the good of those who love God. What it's saying is that even the hardest moments in our life are used for the good purpose of bringing others into the kingdom, of loving others well. That the hardest thing that you'll ever experience, God can use to bring healing to somebody else. Whew. So here's the big idea this morning. It's the last one. I'll put it on the screen for you. Is that storms can be a result of our obedience. Last week we talked about how when we're disobeying God, a storm can arise. But sometimes, some of you are going through hardship right now, and I just want to speak this over you. It's because you're doing the right thing. It's because you made a decision to follow Christ. Our church, our leadership, under attack like you wouldn't believe. Why? Because we, we said, man, we're, we're not going to sit here and die. We're not going to stay downtown, landlocked on an acre and a half, man. We're going we're to do in faith, go out and build in, in the middle of all these new homes, and we're going to preach the gospel. And we're going to tell families that they need Jesus and he's their only hope. And we're going to preach that week after week after week after week. And man, Satan ain't happy. But Jesus said, expect it. He said, expect it. Man, they hate you because they hated me. The enemy hates you because he hates me. He hates what I'm going to do through you and through your hardship and through your pain. Sometimes your hardship is not because you've done something wrong. It is because you are doing something right. And you don't need to give up. You need to buckle down. So what do we do? What do we learn? I 
got to get us out of here. I got like three minutes left. It's cool. I got three slides left. That works out. Number one, I need you to change your theology, your thoughts about God a little bit. Guys, write it down. You need to start expecting suffering. Don't be caught off guard. Oh my gosh. I can't believe I'm going to such great heart. Jesus said it. Don't be caught off guard. He promised it. You're going to have problems. I, I always love it when like Christian. I don't know, man. We get in these little ho-hum pockets. Like, man, life is good. God is good. I'm killing it. Everything's good. Something bad happens. We're like, oh my gosh, God, where are you? He's like, what are you doing, man? It should be the opposite. When life is good, we're like, hey, okay. What? what all right. Yeah. I'm not like I'm thinking for something to drop. I'm just saying, man, like hardship's going to be in life. You've got to start expecting suffering. It's part of it. Okay, number two. Number two. Man, all that hardship has to drive you to Jesus. It has to drive you to Jesus. Y'all, if it doesn't drive you to Jesus, I, I, I don't know where you're turning, but none of those other places can bring healing, right? So, so, so you can mask it, right? You can, you can try to numb it, but you're going to wake up tomorrow and you're going to feel it again, right? I mean, you, you can try to shop it out, but your closets will be full and, and the debt will be higher and it ain't going to work. Right? And, and, but listen, if you turn to Jesus with it, He'll take that hurt and He'll, he'll mold it into character. Right? He'll, he'll mold, mold it into constancy. He'll, he'll mold it into hope. He'll, he'll take the anxiety and the fear and replace it with hope that God is restoring all things, that He started a work in you, that He will not, uh, he will not leave it there. He's going to bring it to completion. And, and you start, man, I'm not done. God's not done with me. This isn't over. This isn't how my story ends. This problem won't put me under. This problem is just a mound on which I will stand and proclaim the goodness of God. It changes you. But it only changes you if you run to Jesus with it. And when you, like Paul, realize, man, nothing else matters but this Jesus... Man, he starts producing stuff in you that can never be taken away no matter how hard the enemy tries. Oh, it's good, man. Lastly, lastly, let God use your heart to bring healing to others. Um, so uh, this is weird. It's weird. I, I, get this, I get this a lot. I mean, it's really weird. I mean, people like my weddings. They're like, oh, that was so sweet. Um, I have more compliments on my funerals than I do on my, on, on my messages. It's weird. Uh, and I love you guys. I'm not saying, like, you need to compliment me more. I don't care. Uh, it's fine. I'm, I'm, I hope the Lord uses it. I may ask you if you compliment me. Oh, really? What did you like? Because I want to make sure you're listening. Um, but uh, just saying, you're supposed to be taking notes, y'all. That's part of the deal. Uh, but I'll, I'll do funerals, and everybody's like, oh, man, that was so touching, that was so moving. Like, man, just thank you so much. And sometimes it's people you don't even know. And so here's the secret to it already, the secret sauce, is that every time I'm going to preach somebody's funeral, I take all of the hurt from the loss of my father, and I just yank off the scab. And I weep, and I cry, and it stinks, man. I hate it. But there is no other way to love that family well. So I have to relive that hurt, and I have to relive that loss, and I have to do it every single time because that is what they deserve. They don't deserve some boxed-up version of me that doesn't feel, that acts like everything's okay. And so every time, man, I rip off the scab, and, and it bleeds all over again, and, and I go through like all kinds of emotional stuff, but that is what that family deserves. They don't deserve anything less. And you know what? Your neighbor doesn't deserve anything less of you. And your friend at work doesn't deserve anything less of you. And if you're not willing to rip off the hard scabs of life and just bleed with people, then you don't understand what Christianity really is. 
That suffering brings healing. That's what it does. And man, if you've been through it, God can use it, but you've got to let him. And you can do two things in life. You can either take all your hurt and your pain, and you can just dam it up and keep it in a reservoir and act like it doesn't exist. Or when God brings an opportunity, man, you can just take other people to it and go, man, here's all my hurt and my pain, and this is how God used it, and this is how he's restored me, and this is how he's redeemed me. And you just hurt with them in the moment, and you love them through it. And man, God will bring fruit out of that. I pray for y'all. Father, we're not here just to go through storms. We're here to grow through them. And in this last one we studied this week, I pray, God, I pray that you've spoken to the depths of our soul about who we need to be, about how we need to live, about how we need to let others in and let them see the pain so that they can see the healer that we've met, so that they can experience your love, God. Holy Spirit, invade our lives. Help us to abide in Jesus so that that fruit can last so that it'll come. We ask that in Jesus' holy, powerful, and precious name. Amen.